Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, the World Series is set. I'm Michael Borkies, Brian Haydack. Glad you guys are with us on this Wednesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It is Sports Talk Mississippi. That's right. We're down to two. Couple of really unique series that got us to this point as well. Some history was made uh, in one, and felt like history was made in the other. It is great to be with you. We will talk football today. We've got a guest coming up to talk about uh, Mississippi State-Auburn from the Auburn angle. Same thing with Old Miss Vanderbilt from the Vanderbilt angle. There is another Hugh Freeze story today. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a story. It's more about uh, something that he said in a press conference where he decided, if you've ever seen the show House of Cards where Frank Underwood, spoiler alert, the show's been out for like a decade, so if I ruin something for you, I'm sorry, where Frank Underwood pushes the reporter in front of a train, That's what Hugh Freeze did to his quarterback in a press conference. Just decided to take Robbie Ashford and throw him right in front of a fast-moving freight train. So we'll get to all of that today and more with you. You want to text us? Uh, We'd love for you to be part of the show, and that's how you do it. 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395 if you want to be a part of the show. That is how you do it. Brian Haydad. Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday already. It is Wednesday. So, you know, we're halfway through this, and we're, we're almost to Saturday, and Saturday means college football, and that's what we have. And, you know, it's, we, 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 we like to have that, you know, in our lives. And we've only got a few more weeks of it, so cherish. You, you've got to cherish it. Stay here as long, Stay as, here you as, long as you can. Stay here as long as you can. Here is October. Yeah, October. So, uh, did you watch any baseball last night? I did not. I, I actually, uh, some of our Super Talk friends are, were in town last night, and I went to dinner with them, and then I got home and uh, wait, you have Twitter and saw the score. Yeah, I need to get me some of those. Very, very popular man. And uh, anyway, long story short, I, I, I have a friend in town who's a Phillies fan, and I just pulled up the score, and the first thing out of my mouth was, "Oh no!" Uh. And so it is. So yeah, the uh, the Diamondbacks went to Philly. The, the, so each of these series, the winning team had to go on the road and win twice to win the series, which is just impressive in its own right, especially 
in Philly with that crowd, the Diamondbacks winning two games, obviously being down 3-2, to two, uh, is impressive. But the other series, the Rangers-Astros, only the second time in Major League Baseball history did the road team win every game. The road team won every game in that series. That is a weird outlier stat. Never ha- Probably never happen again. 2019 World Series, I believe, is the only other time. Wow, for that to happen in a World Series is something. Yeah. What is that? Is that Nationals? Uh, Astros. Astros, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, wow. Uh, stat of the day. Bop, bop. I've actually got another one uh, relating to Texas A&M later on in the show that just really... Uh, cracks me up. But uh, are you going to be locked into the World Series? There's a lot of takes today about who is in this World Series and all that. Are, are you going to watch? Are you engaged at all? As, as you, you may or may not remember, when when the Giants are out, so is Brian Haydad on, on Major League Baseball. I won't watch. I probably won't watch more than a pitch or two. Uh, I will pull for the Rangers because i got a friend who's a big Ranger, Rangers fan. But uh, and my, my interest level will be minimal. I hear you. I uh, I respect that because I, I'm kind of that way uh, with uh, the the NBA anyway. Once the Pelicans are done, I'm done. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of watch if there's nothing else on. But I, you know, and the season starts tonight, and so for the few of us listening that celebrate, uh, here's to uh, got, I got my tumbler up. Here's to uh, disappointing mediocrity for yet another 82 games. Cheers A to my Pelicans mind. fans out there. A friend of mine's going to the game tonight. It's in Memphis, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to see Zion tonight." And I just looked at him. I was like, "Are you? Hey, he'll Are see sure? him tonight. By January, who knows? But but today he will be on the court in, in Memphis. He looks physically better, but we've we've been down that road before. I am I'm done, and I'm done with the Saints as well. Reading preseason practice reports that are positive, I'm done. I, I am not falling no, forward no. again. I'm not going to do it with the Pelicans. This whole training camp was like, oh, yeah, you know, Zion looks healthy and there's cohesion with Ingram and all this stuff. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not I'm not reading it. I'm not buying it. I will Don't watch every it. game because I love them. But I'm not buying it. And next year, when training camp comes, and oh, wow, the offense, they look different. And they added these wrinkles and all this stuff. Nope, not buying it. Well, if it's a new coach, I'll buy into it. When, when it's Harbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> when exactly, Jim Harbaugh's exactly. coaching the Saints next year, uh, then yeah, I'll actually buy into that because there's a, there's a track record. So uh, I'll put the poll out there on Twitter as well. I am curious as to uh, how interested our audience is in the in the World Series this year. I, I've seen the takes, and they frustrate the heck out of me. I hate this part of the sports discourse, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it. Where, when it's not certain teams in the championship, oh, it sucks. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, th- there was that. Well, the, the, the Fox has got to be so mad that it's the Diamondbacks instead of the Phillies. And they've got to be so mad that it's the Rangers instead of the Astros. And, uh, when, when did we start caring about the suits and the executives at Fox and, and how much money they're going to make it, on the World It really World is Series? something there. It really is something there that... Rating, ratings Twitter is is such a, a unique subset of Twitter. It's people who get so worked up about ratings, like 
Who cares? Watch if you like. Yeah. If you don't, don't watch. And they interest me. Like I, I'm interested in in the the trends of ratings and sports viewership and stuff. That that's an angle that I can take because it's easy to digest. It's hard numbers and it makes sense. College football, by uh, by the way, there is absolutely no more debate with how the season's going. Is the number two sport in America only behind the NFL? Anybody that tries to tell you otherwise is just being foolish. But. I couldn't possibly care less if it's not the Dodgers and, and or the Astros or the Phillies or the Red Sox or the Yankees. I could not possibly care less. If you are a baseball fan and these two teams are not compelling to you, that's not a Major League Baseball problem. That's a you problem. I mean, the Diamondbacks lost 110 games two years ago. They go from losing 110 games in a season. Could you imagine sitting through that if you were a fan? Because you know somebody out there watched all 162 of those games where they lost 110 of them. Somebody did it. And now that person's watching their team punch a ticket to the World Series. Uh, so I, I hate that. It's we've got to have certain teams to uh, to enjoy it, and now you're getting the same thing that's that's brought back up this uh, this week, just like it was when the Braves lost. Oh well, the format's bad. Got to change the format. The Rangers and the, and the Diamondbacks made it, and so clearly that demonstrates that the format is wrong because it should be the Astros again, or the Braves should have made it. Or did anybody do that when Eli's Giants beat the greatest regular season of all time as a wild card team and won the Super Bowl? Did anybody complain about format that day? No, absolutely not. But that's just how it goes. Does anybody complain People about format complain. when? Yeah. People want to complain, Borky. That's what they love. They love to complain. But it's the only sport where where we're just wanting to change everything because underdogs were successful. I, I thought we we're supposed to love the underdog story. Every sports movie is about this downtrodden underdog that overcame the odds and and beat the almighty Goliath. And we all love that stuff. And then when it happens in real life, it's oh, I'm bored. This this stinks. Give me the Dodgers again. What? We've gotten good baseball. The, the the games are interesting and compelling. The teams are fun and scrappy. And however long this series lasts, it's probably going to be really entertaining. Now, and again, I'm not. I understand your side because I'll do it with the NBA mostly. If your team's out, you check out. That's fine. But if you're not, if you're usually in on the World Series when it's the Astros or the Dodgers, or the Red Sox, or whoever, and you're not in on this one, that's a you problem. It's not a baseball problem. I'm excited for this. I'm actually going to watch uh, all of these games. I'm looking forward to it. The Diamondbacks in particular are, are really interesting to me. Going from losing 110 games to the World Series 24 months later, is uh, that's impressive. It really is. So, anyway, 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll get to some of those when we come back. And also, if you can believe it, there are new developments in the Michigan sign-stealing scandal that are even more hilarious than they were yesterday. So uh, we'll get to that as well. We'll get to your messages, talk Mississippi State-Auburn, we'll talk Ole Miss-Vanderbilt, whatever else comes up on the text line as we move along this afternoon. I'm Borky. He's Haydad. Glad that you are with us on this Wednesday in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't go anywhere. We'll talk a little bit more baseball and then sign-stealing when we come back.
Talk Mississippi to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Porky and Haydad with you on this Wednesday. We'll go to the text line, then transition over to the latest on the sign-stealing scandal. Guys, it's hilarious uh, to me. Every new detail is funnier than the one before. This guy just uh, not particularly smart at Michigan, as it turns out. Okay, I'll give you a teaser. Just, you know. Yeah. Somebody found his manifesto of how he was going to take over Michigan football. So... We'll get into that in a minute. What was it, 600 pages? Anyway. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Jeff says, Texas-Arizona sounds like a college World Series game. Not recently, it, does. it doesn't. Well, Texas. Yeah. Texas has been good. Terry uh, says, don't care about the World Series here. Minimal talking about it is all I can handle. And that's about all you'll get from us, really. I mean, the the, the games are set. And so I thought it was noteworthy. And, you know, when the games happen, we'll, we'll do it here and there, but we're, we're not going to just hammer home the World Series during college football season around here. So uh, you're in luck there, Terry. Somebody says, I was glad to see different teams in the World Series. In Game 7, the Rangers took it to the Astros. Absolutely. They uh, absolutely they did. Um, Bo says, if you're a fan of baseball, you will watch. If not, you'll probably whine because your team wasn't good enough. Here's another one. Ole Miss baseball best Cinderella story out there. Counterpoint to that. That season was an improbable run. I, I, I get it. Like the last team in, last team standing. Mike Monaco with a really great call on TV. Oh. But Ole Miss baseball is not a Cinderella. That they, they are. They're yeah, Ole Miss not. is one of the top programs in the country. The, the fact that they underachieved up until the postseason is not a Cinderella story. A Cinderella story would be like. Jackson State making it. Yes. That's a yeah. Cinderella story. When, when you are yeah. top 10 in every measurable spending and attendance category, I don't think you can be a Cinderella. I just. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, splitting hairs uh, a little bit. Somebody says, I have interest. Will be stories and drama no matter the teams. That's uh, Chris from North Hickory. Appreciate you, Chris. Glad you're with us. Another one says, This World Series is the. This is the best time of year. World Series, NBA, NFL, college football, and college basketball is about to start. He also says the World Series is the greatest thing ever to be invented. D-backs versus Rangers, two left standing. Respect them for making it. I love baseball. I'll watch every pitch. I'll even cook a special meal for every game. I try to think of all the World Series games that have been played. The history of it is incredible. That is one thing baseball has on all the other sports, is the, the, the romanticism of the history of baseball is unmatched. That and golf. Golf history is really, in a weird way, compelling. But but baseball has that over everybody. The way that, if you hear an old-timer talking about the 1951 World Series or whatever, uh, it is more interesting than anything all the other sports have to offer to me. Okay. Yeah. That's how that's how I am about a lot of things nowadays. Like, hey, yeah. you. That's all right. Yeah. Not we all can't we can't be romantic about everything. 
involving sports. Although, if yeah. you can't be romantic about college football, there's something wrong with you. Jeff Trailer at UTSA, uh, they put rat traps and uh, and all the the players' lockers for like, you know, don't get don't get caught in the trap, and and it was symbolism. It was a rat poison thing. Yeah, one one of his seniors put a trap on his podium when he talks to the team. And that player, very smartly, set the trap. And Trailer put his hands on the podium, and the trap went off and smashed one of his fingers in front of the entire team. That's something that only could happen in college football. Could not happen literally any other sport. No. And that, if Texas A&M was not too prideful, would be the next head coach of the Aggies. But alas, that will not be him. Somebody says the Rangers also lost 102 games two years ago. So, yeah, you, you've got 212 combined losses with these teams two years ago. And now here they sit in the mm-hmm. World Series. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool story. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to get it. No, we won't. It's not a first time because the Diamondbacks have won one. But it's been a long time for them. So. Somebody says be a real American and watch the dang World Series. Like that. Adam says, parody in sports is great. Absolutely love a good Cinderella story. And isn't it indicative of how smooth-brained national sports media is where they describe the teams from Dallas and Phoenix as, like, their small market? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What are we doing here? I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess Kansas City would be a small market MLB team. Uh, I mean, Cleveland's not small, but Cleveland, yeah. Minnesota. A lot of the AL Central. (laughs) The Central Divisions are the small market teams. Right. I mean, you know, Atlanta, Miami, those aren't small markets. We've got them in football and spades and basketball, too. I mean, both New Orleans teams are small markets. Green Bay, Memphis, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. Baseball tends to be pretty, you've got to be a pretty big city to have a baseball team. I will tune in and go for the Rangers since I was a part of the state team when Chris Stratton was there. Oh, awesome. Appreciate you listening. That's cool. Yeah. That's uh, really cool. Well, now I want to know who this is. Yeah, we need to find out. Let's uh, reverse image or, or search that phone number. Reverse. We can find it. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Darren says, just remember, above all else, there's no crying in baseball. John says, I love watching college baseball, but can't stand watching pros. To each their own. I, I hear you. I'm not going to shame you for uh, for those choices. But uh, frankly, I love it all. I'll consume it all. I'm even, like I said in the open, f- uh, w- once I put little guy to bed, I'm going to pull up my laptop because I refuse to pay $20 a month for Bally Sports New Orleans. And I'm going to illegally stream the first of... 82 basketball games for a team that has perpetually disappointed me since the day I became a fan. And yet here I am again, got my jacket on and everything. Uh, I I wore a Pelican shirt all day. I've been teaching little guy the the starting lineup. When I say, hey, James, who plays for the Pelicans? He goes, Zion and flexes. Like, I've been doing this all day, and I know what's going to happen, and I'm still doing it. So I can't make fun of a single person for their choices, considering uh, considering my own. We get another message. I love MLB. That's my favorite sport. Period. 
And uh, a complete change of pace. So we'll turn to the page to football. I'll answer this question. We'll, we'll hit a break because we have to, and then we'll talk about sign stealing. This is a good question. This is from Taylor. Michael, I'm assuming Ole Miss takes care of business Saturday with Vanderbilt. How soon do you hide the starters' helmets? Would be nice if Sanders gave back to Ole Miss somehow while he's there. Here's the thing, though, Taylor. If Ole Miss is blowing out Vanderbilt on Saturday, why would you give the reps to Spencer Sanders, though? He's not with you next year. He's done. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, the, so the reps to Walker Howard. If and I don't know how Lane's going to handle it. I mean, you know, maybe it's going to be like last year where Ole Miss kind of struggles early and then blows away late, and so they can't. I I assume that Lane Kiffin would really like to take Jackson Dart's helmet away from him at halftime and never put Jordan Watkins on the field and give Judkins ten carries and Bentley ten carries and then uh, the freshman and and the uh, Oregon State transfer. Uh, can can come in and, and run the ball a lot, and Aiden Williams can get. I, I'm sure that's what they would want to do. But the quarterback thing, if you're blowing out Vanderbilt, I don't see any reason whatsoever to give Spencer Sanders the ball. As unfortunate as that sounds, it's he's not helping you after this year. Walker Howard is, or at least you think he is. So if you have a chance to get a guy meaningful reps against, albeit Vanderbilt, an SEC team then I think every single snap needs to go to Walker Howard. Otherwise, you're kind of wasting those reps on somebody that, one, has played 43 games in his career, and that won't help you in the future. So I think the only way that you, you that they should use Sanders is if Dart, knock on wood, Ole Miss fans, you hope it doesn't happen, is if Dart gets injured to where he won't play again for the rest of the year. Otherwise, every other snap needs to go to Howard, in my opinion. So, 601-879-4395, that's the text on you want to be a part of the show, that is how you do it, we get this message, I love this, how can you not be romantic about baseball, how could you not, watching a stadium full of, is it Philadelphians, Philadelphiaites, yes, uh, Philadelphians, a stadium full of jerks, Watching them mass exodus out of their stadium, sad, was kind of therapeutic last night. The Philly sports fans are Aww. the worst. And they've gotten what they've deserved. They lost in the Super Bowl when they were up 10. They had a 3-2 lead. They lost here. That's, a, that's, a, that's just a shame, isn't it? The Sixers are a mess. James Harden doesn't want to report to practice, and that's been a disaster. I mean, you know, they kind of get what they get. So, anyway, the latest on sign-stealing in Michigan and the fallout from that when we come back. Talk.fm Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on a Wednesday. So, 
Right after we got off the air yesterday, basically, uh, our friend Ross Dellinger expanded his reporting on the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. And it's even deeper and more ridiculous than we thought. We'll start with Ross's report. And this one's a little bit more uh, expected than the one that we've got later. But Ross reported that uh, Stallions, uh, the Michigan staffer that got caught breaking multiple rules to, I use the word, it's not against the law, it's against the rules, but quote-unquote illegally uh, taping and scouting future opponents very much against NCAA rules, getting caught on the sideline, relaying those signals to coordinators with a sheet in his hand that had all the signals on it. You guys know the the story uh, by now. But it expanded beyond just teams in the Big Ten. The initial reporting that it was 11 teams in the Big Ten, 30 games, it's actually... Even more than that, they scouted outside of the Big Ten, including Georgia, Tennessee, Clemson, and at least each of the last two SEC championship games. So this was a much broader scope uh, than we initially thought. The funny thing to me, though, hey, Dad, the thing that cracks me up the most is the team that they have yet to scout. The team that Michigan, by no reporting whatsoever, illegally air quotes, illegally scouted, was the team that put a 50-burger on them in the college football playoff in TCU. The one team they didn't scout had the best performance on a Michigan defense in years. Doesn't it make you wonder? So I was listening to another, another podcast this morning, and they were talking about this, and the the difference between Michigan's record and where they were prior to the start of, of whatever is going on here is pretty stark. Right, there's something like 46 and 22 yeah. the previous five years, and now they're 33 and three the last two years. And two of those three losses are to teams that they didn't get scouts on. They lost to TCU and to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, and, and in both of those games, they got handled. Yeah. So and and remember, so TCU put up fifty points on Michigan, who had an objectively great defense with Aiden Hutchinson and all that. And then a week later, got beat, or excuse me, two weeks later, got beat sixty-two to seven by Georgia. Yeah. Uh, what a coincidence! Kirby Smart had a pretty baller quote yesterday about that. By the way, he was asked incredible, it, yeah. Or he basically said there was nothing that happened in that game that made me think that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that that is the that is fantastic. Good job. And what he does there is he gives you a great quote without making himself the story. Yeah, Just move on. And he did move on. for whatever it's worth. Uh, he's one of the few coaches, honestly, that have kind of said, "Hey, this isn't normal." You know that that's not typical stuff. That what is yeah. being alleged is not that's not gamesmanship. That's not anything other than wrong found that interesting as well because some coaches it it makes you wonder sometimes if you want to like analyze the answers that you get from some people the motivation behind the answer why some coaches have completely avoided saying anything and why others are like that's wrong what what, they, they did what no that's that's not typical at all that also makes you wonder at least it does me so next this is the funny part so there is a poster on the message board VolQuest, and his name 
is Arnie Palmy Alert, which is a reference to the movie The Other Guys, by the way. Uh, outstanding message board name. If you've never seen that movie, watch it. Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell, excellent comedy. Anyway. That's where we got Dirty Mike and the Boys. Dirty from. Mike and the Boys. Pew, pew. <laughs> Arnie Palmy Alert. Yes. Great stuff. Anyway, in December of 2022, in a thread about sign stealing, he said, quote, this is random dude on a Tennessee message board in December of 22. I have a story on that. One of my little brother's friends is a scout for them. They paid him to travel to the Tennessee Vandy game, had planned it before the loss, obviously, to try to steal our signs. Remember, they lost in South Carolina the week before. <clears throat> He's from mm-hmm. Nashville originally, so he just went anyway, even after our loss, since it was Thanksgiving. Said he and the others are never allowed to talk about to Harbaugh directly about it. Here's another post from the same guy in January of this year. Long before any of this came out, by the way. I posted on here a couple months ago about a mutual friend of mine that was working for Michigan going to other schools' games stealing plays. They'd pay his flights, lodging, food, and seats right behind that team's bench for him to get video and notes, etc. Michigan is pulling all the stops out, it seems. So Artie Palmiel hurt on VolQuest told everybody about this months ago, and all of the information checks out. I mean, it is it is exactly how the scheme happened, and this dude was posting about it on a message board, and I bet nobody believed him. Yes, there's probably a, I, I would be willing to bet if we could go back, message board geniuses might have made fun of this person. And it turns out he was prophetic. He was telling the truth. And here's the last one. So this is reading from Sports Illustrated. It makes you wonder where all of these leaks coming from. This one in particular came from one of the former uh, assistants, if you will, uh, in his scouting scheme. But, man, a lot is leaking uh, about this. I mean, NCAA investigations generally aren't leaky like this. Everybody's getting everything they want on this deal. In this case, Sports Illustrated... Uh, I believe it was Richard Johnson, yeah, Sports Illustrated, uh, was able to obtain many, 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 many text messages that Connor Stallion sent to a guy that wanted to break into the industry and was explaining to him what he does at Michigan. And the reporter was able to verify the messages because the guy removed the, the, the contact name and his phone, and displayed a phone number, and that phone number is, he was able to verify Connor Stallion's mm-hmm. phone number. And text messages talking about uh, the coaches that he was uh, involved with and, and the exact nature of their scheme, and he admits to relaying this information to the coordinators on staff. Mentions uh, former Ole Miss uh, defense coordinator Chris Partridge uh, being somebody that he was close to uh, at the time when Partridge was there Uh, at Michigan, and he also admits to having an almost 600-page manifesto where he outlines exactly how he and others are going to take over Michigan football. He he admits to all of this stuff in these text messages that are now in the hands of Sports Illustrated. It is never, under any circumstances, good when your name is connected with the word Manifesto. No one has ever released a positive manifesto. No one's ever released a manifesto where you're like, that guy has some good ideas. That's something that we should put into practice. 
right? Manifestos, by their very existence, are uh, documents that are designed to be evil. So if you have a manifesto, if, you, if you're ever like, oh, my God, you've heard about the hate ad manifesto, nothing good was in there. It was never like, hey, we should all get wings and pizza. It was, it was, it was my evil plot to take over. Manifestos are evil plots to take over things be it the means of production or Michigan football. You you have your choice. So, if you ever, you know, if if we're ever sitting here a few you know, years from now and Richard and I are like, well, we we used to have Borky on the show, but then we found his manifesto to take over the show. You understand why you were no longer on the show? Well, you had a manifesto. Couldn't you can't have a manifesto. One of the messages says, I'm close with the whole staff, he wrote. Particularly, he said he became, quote, close with C.P. and J. Harbs. Uh, apparently, being the aforementioned Chris Partridge and J. Harbaugh, uh, the son Jay of Harbs. Jim Harbaugh. He also said, quote, pre-COVID would steal opponent signals during the week watching TV copies. Then flew to the game and stood next to Josh Gaddis, who was no longer at Michigan. He's at Maryland, and told him what coverage mm-hmm. and pressure he was getting. So, you know, if you're doing math, if you like math, one plus one often equals two. I think I think every time it does, but you know, you can't be sure. Uh, sarcasm aside, they must have been impressed with the operation because they kept him on staff, and then. They expanded it to not watching TV copy, which, by the way, that's not against the rules, to sending him or roguely traveling all over the country and paying people all over the country to video the sidelines and send it to him to decipher so he can stand right next to the coordinators and tell them what is coming. They've got the, – the, the this video, isn't a smoking gun. This is straight-up evidence. They've got the video of him at the Ohio State game is incredible. Like, as soon as Ohio State does the check with me, which, by the way, if this scandal brings to the end of check with me, I will I will be forever indebted to Connor Stallions because I hate check with me. Call the play. But they, they check with the coach, and as soon as they done do that, you see his ears perk up like a dog that heard a knock at the door. He's, and he's looking. And as soon as he sees the signal, he gives his own signal, and then the whole sideline is signaling. Yeah. Clear it's pretty obvious. as day. I mean, there, there's no deniability, despite what On3 uh, wrote today. 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. This message we got during the break. Somebody says they must have not have scouted Mississippi State when they whooped that. You know what? Back in 2011. Well, I mean, obviously it's a different time frame, but yes, they didn't. They they were not prepared for that one. Somebody says if they scouted the last two SEC title games, how did they miss Georgia? So they they didn't miss Georgia. What what Kirby was saying was. We kicked their you-know-what so bad that it didn't matter if they had our signals or not. That's what he was saying 
without saying it. I think I've got the quote actually handy. I'll tell you exactly word for word what he said. But yeah, no, they they scouted Georgia as well. It's just Georgia was so much better than them that 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 it didn't matter, uh, frankly, uh, at all. I thought I had it. I lost it. I'm sorry. But yeah, that Cur- Kirby was implying that I could have told them myself what our play was going to be and it wouldn't have mattered because we were that much better than them. Yeah. He just he said it in a way that made Michigan look really bad. Yeah. Speaking of, and then we have another coach. I don't, did, did, was it Jamie Chadwell last night? Yeah. That was fantastic. Taking a shot. He, he found a screenshot from his crowd and said, anybody else think it's a kind of sus that there's some uh, Michigan fans here? And there were two Michigan fans at the Liberty game. Somebody went and checked on them. No way. I think it may have been the athletic director. Somebody went and was like, oh, they're fine. That's so funny. I mean... Let me see if I can find out. Jamie Chadwell, by the way, the coach at Liberty, who's at Coastal Carolina, they are undefeated, very, very likely going to finish the season undefeated. Uh, There's a chance that, depending on what Air Force and and Tulane do and stuff, there's a chance that Liberty's in an access poll. Now, their schedule is a joke uh, this year. There was no SEC team on it or, or anything like that, but... There's a chance you're looking at undefeated Liberty at the end of the year with a chance to, to play in an access bowl. So, Chad, this this guy is – who is this person? Okay, I think he's just an alum who, who who does a blog. Okay. But he went up there and spoke to him. Hey, uh, what are you doing here? Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, you know, there's just this stuff going around right now with Michigan, and it's just, you know, a little weird that Michigan would be at a Liberty game. Uh, You don't actually have to say anything. You just make that noise, and they know what you're saying. Uh, Oh, yeah, we're just, you know. You have a DSLR camera. Uh, I need that (laughs) SD card, please. I need that. Yeah. So we get asked what we think the punishment will be. Uh, frankly, there's no precedent for this. I mean, when has this happened before in college football like this? Uh, never. So, I mean, honestly, I, I can't give you a good answer. I, I wish I could. I could speculate, I suppose. But I, I think they deserve, I think every coach involved deserves to lose their job and, and be put on a show cause. I don't want the players punished at all. Even if they did indirectly benefit from what was happening, or directly benefit from what was happening. It's not their fault, and I don't think they're winning games this year because of scouting. I think they're winning games this year because they're really good. Uh, so I don't want them to have like a postseason ban or whatever uh, slapped on them with something that's not their fault. But every coach involved needs to be, I think, immediately, immediately removed from the sideline. I really, I truly believe that. That's not me looking for outrage. I do think that if you get caught this brazenly then you need not be on the sideline anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. The problem is twofold. One, the NCAA, I don't believe, will ever do anything. But two, if they do do something, it's going to be in 2038. I mean, I, I, just, I just don't have any faith that the NCAA will do anything. You know that if they do, it will be meaningless. Yeah. You know, in, in the real world, it should be, you know, if something like this was happening, the, the person would be fired. Like, Jim Harbaugh would already be fired. Yep. So. No doubt about it. Um, 
There was this headline from uh, from on three earlier, which uh, you know the competitor of Rivals and twenty four seven. Yeah. On three had a headline that said, "How culpable is Jim Harbaugh if Connor Stallions acted alone?" I, I couldn't help but reply, "Guys, if come on, there's video of him speaking directly to Michigan's defensive coordinator." Changing the play. There are now text messages of him describing in detail the scheme that he was involved in. Where he names coaches on the Michigan staff where he gave this information to. Acted alone? Come on. Come on. Be honest about it. And the answer, by the way, is according to the rules, Harbaugh is very culpable. Even if he quote-unquote didn't know. Or if the guy acted alone. But, like you said, do you trust them to do anything about it? No. I uh, I do not. Let's talk about our teams. Uh, around here, we will talk Mississippi State-Auburn, Old Miss-Vanderbilt with a couple of guests in the next hour. We appreciate you guys hanging out. 601-879-4395 is the text line you want to be a part of the show. That is how you do it. We will bring it back local and talk about our games this weekend when we come back. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, Mom said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you groove. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back here with you on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, also with us today. And joining us now here on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Matt Cohen, he covers the Auburn Tigers for AL.com. Matt, before we get into talking about Mississippi State-Auburn this Saturday, you wrote a very interesting column uh, yesterday. The honeymoon is over. i, I got to ask a very simple question, Matt. Really? Is so it, I think really? I – yeah – so I think that got misconstrued a little bit by 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 a lot of people. Like, I'm not saying fire mm-hmm. anyone. That's, that was not oh, yeah. one of that. <laughs> I, I I think the the idea there was this moment where like basically anyone having the idea of like Hugh Freeze like everything he does is like unquestioned and and like that that moment of like you know endless and boundless optimism. I thought ended against Ole Miss. And, and, and my reasoning for that was, was the first time I've heard anyone, you know, boo this football team as it ran off the field. And that quite vocal, um, you know, frustration from the fans in Jordan-Harris Stadium, I, we, have, we hadn't heard it yet. And, and that was come from a program that had so much hope coming into the season. And I think that the hope from fans, at least from my impression, is like very knowledgeable of the fact that this wasn't going to be a successful year one, and 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 that's okay. It was, it was never going to be a Auburn team that's that's going to win um, in year one. But I, I I think more so it's in the way they've looked. Like that they have been horrible on offense, especially with passing specifically. I believe Auburn's one of the nine worst passing offenses in the entire country, based on yards per game. Um, 
And I don't blame fans for getting frustrated about that. And I think that was the first time that we really saw some criticism, serious criticism, of this year's specific team uh, going away from the typical what we've heard from fans in the past about of like, like oh, like it's all going to be fine, everything's going to be great. It, it was, um, you know, I don't think anyone was calling for anyone's head, although I, I do think you're starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, the, there's going to be a coordinator change this offseason, most likely unless something changes pretty significantly in the next couple weeks. But I don't. I, I think it was just the moment that we first saw um, frustration and not just boundless hope is kind of the way I was looking at that. And the offensive coordinator thing is interesting because, you know, with some of uh, Freeze's predecessors, specifically Gus Malzahn, it was always this never-ending battle between, all right, he's going to call the plays, now he's going to bring somebody in to call the plays, and then midway through the season he's going to take play calling back. Is there a reason that Hugh Freeze just doesn't take over the play calling here? He's a really good play caller. He's shown that before. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, and I think he's kind of gone back and forth with it himself. Um, it's difficult for him. He he said that like he he is not sure how to handle not calling plays. First time he's said he's ever been in that in that position. I think the reason why you, the conversation and you know I have not heard anything rumored about any coaching changes. Like uh, anything I say on that purely my own opinion at that point. But the I think the the issue here is that you brought in this guy Philip Montgomery with the sole purpose of calling plays. So that Hugh Freeze could focus on things like recruiting, could focus on just the, the other tasks that surround being a head coach, um, and you know that would that are so necessary at, at this point off the field because there's a lot of building to do with this with this Auburn team, given where it was left after Brian Harson's tenure as the head coach. So I, I think the fact that then you've heard Hugh Freeze a little bit since then take a tad more of autonomy in the play calling, going into the Georgia game a few weeks ago. Back in September, um, you were hearing that Hugh Freeze was more involved in offensive meetings. He had a play card a lot more during the game. I think he was improving everything a bit more during the game, and, and he seemed more involved. I think that's kind of waned a tad the past couple of weeks, um, but he's still more involved in the offense than he wanted to be, and he has said that that has come at the expense of he's not been able to put as much time into recruiting as he was hoping he would. Um, he's still doing, I think, a pretty good job in, in recruiting overall, but I, I think that's the main reason why, you, why you're not seeing threes totally take over there because his top priority right now is building for next year's team and the year's after's team, which I think is the more important priority at this point anyway. So I, I think that's correct on his part, and that's why you're probably not seeing him take a larger role in this season. Last week with Mississippi State playing Arkansas, we, we talked at great length about mentality and how both of those teams were kind of fragile coming into that game. Obviously, State got some confidence with, with the win. Now it's Auburn I want to ask that question about. You know, mentally, where do you think this Auburn team is? You know, I think everyone on this team, at least outwardly, expresses a lot of confidence that they, that they can turn this around. I mean, Auburn is coming off of a four-game losing streak, but it also is toughest four-game stretch they have this entire season. Um, you know, they, I think reasonably you expected Auburn to be three and four at this point. It's, this was just not a roster that was going to be ready to, to win games with that stretch of Georgia. Uh, sorry, it was the Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss all consecutively. 
that's really tough. And I don't think the, there was, I mean, Auburn was a pretty heavy underdog in every single one of those games. Um, I think that Hugh Freeze has not been shy in letting the team know like they're underdogs. I don't think they are both, you know, I'm sure they believe they're going to go in winning the game, but they're also aware of the fact that they, that they are the underdog in those games. This is the first time against Mississippi State that Auburn's been favored in like five weeks, including the bye week. Um, so this is a position that Auburn has not been in in a minute. Um, and I think the players are confident that they can turn this around. Obviously, they want to get to a bowl game at this point. And for Auburn to get to, get to a bowl game, this is a pretty much a must-win for Auburn, um, considering that they're still in the Alabama game eventually on the schedule. The, so I think the confidence is pretty high. We, we heard yesterday uh, kind of a funny quote from Auburn safety Jalen Simpson, who described this team as needing to have a plankton mentality, like the SpongeBob character, with the idea that plankton's always going after the Krabby Patty formula every episode. So Auburn's just got to keep going with that same, you know, that same motivation to keep going after something, even though like plankton, they never he never gets the formula except for I guess the first half of the SpongeBob movie, but I'm probably getting too into cartoons here. Um, but the, the idea being that like they need to just keep having drive and, and keep pushing, um, which is, it's a really funny way to look at kind of what the mindset is, but it's actually a pretty good point on, on, on Simpsons part. I'm trying to think of a better analogy for that. I, none, none is coming to mind, so didn't think it's we were going like, to talk about SpongeBob today, but I'll go with it. <laughs> I legitimately don't think he meant it at first when he came up with it as like this very um, on-the-nose mentality, but as he was talking through it yesterday, I think he kind of realized, like, like, wait a minute, this actually is exactly what we need to be doing. They need to brand this somehow. Uh, there needs to be some Auburn well, T-shirts he, with some SpongeBob stuff. <laughs> I think some fans have been working on that, and I guess he did actually, by that same virtue, he did call Will Rogers to be uh, Mr. Crab in the circuit this week. Um, so, really, I don't know how much further you want to go down the SpongeBob train, but I could keep going if you need me to. I don't. <laughs> I'm a little too old for SpongeBob. I, I missed that window. But but it brings up an interesting question about Will Rogers. I, I don't expect Will Rogers to play in this game uh, for Mississippi yeah. State. Is Auburn preparing for Will Rogers like they think he's going to play, or are they looking at Mike Wright and thinking that's who's going to be out there for Mississippi State? It sounds like Auburn's preparing for both, most likely. Um, I think I think earlier in the week when we when we talked to Hugh Freeze and it seems a little bit still kind of up in the air about will uh, will 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 Rogers play. I, I think he seems to be kind of keeping that in mind. Um, I, we have not heard from him just from what Hugh Freeze talked about. Um, with the sense of, of Mike Wright. Um, so I, I think the preparing for both um, would be my sense of it. Um, I obviously am not an expert in Mike Wright film, but I would get the impression yeah. that um, Mississippi State's offense obviously struggled last week in Arkansas. Um, so Auburn's defense is basically, I think, the same as they have every week. They've had a really good plan. Uh, they're just going to need help from, from their offense. This is really what it's going to come down to more than anything. It feels like there's no rhyme or reason to the substitutions at quarterback for Auburn. When when Thorne comes in, when Ashford comes in, it, it doesn't feel like it's a package for Robbie Ashford or a package for Peyton Thorne. It's it's just kind of, uh, I don't know how to put it, sort of randomness to it. Does Freeze have a plan for the way he's using those two guys, or, or am I right? It's just you see who whoever comes in comes in. So it's a, it's a bit of both. Um, obviously, they both do have a package of plays. What I don't know um, and what has not really been described to us is exactly when they choose to use which package. Like, is there, like, as, as I don't think it's totally clear like, going into the game. I don't 
think they have to be going into the game a plan of like we're going to use the Thorn package in X and X part of the game and the, the Ashford package in X part of the game. Uh, we saw last week Ashford came out and started the first try for Auburn against Ole Miss. I mean, I wouldn't go so far and say that like, he took over as a starting quarterback. That's not really what happened. Just Auburn chose to use that package first. Um, right. Payne Thorne still, is, is still Auburn's starter. So I think it's both true that they have a package for each of them, and Hugh Freeze has described it as two very different offenses with them. I think that's a little bit true. I think there's some similarities. It's not totally different. But the, the, the key difference is that, you know, clearly Payne Thorne is the one they feel more comfortable throwing the football whereas Robbie Ashford is they've run a lot more heavier personnel with 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field and definitely, yeah. you know, not quite telegraphing they're going to run the ball, but, like, pretty much telegraphing they're going to run the ball. Um, Ashford's definitely the more dynamic athlete of the two of them. So they so while, when they have him on the field, while he's definitely an improved passer than what he may have been last year, his yeah. best help to Auburn is the ball in his hands, not getting it out of his hands. Um so I think that the, on the one Matt, hand, there is that... I'm Matt, we're on a hard break, man. We're going to have to let yeah. you go. Matt Cohen. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. So is there anything that uh, that Matt Cohen said that stood out to you, Haydad? I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised may not be the right word because Freeze is a good motivator. He, he, he can keep his teams engaged for the most part. But Auburn, you know, being confident coming into this game, I find that, you know, they're smart enough to see what they've done this year. So, you know, maybe confident isn't the word I would have used. Of course, I'm not I'm not covering Auburn, obviously. Um, but I, I, I'm surprised if Auburn is a confident team. I think they would be more, you know, sort of the same way State and Arkansas, I thought, were last week. Just, you know, like, hey, we, we've got to have this. I mean, and he says that. He talks about this must win. You know, Auburn could still get to a bowl game, but they ha- they got to win this game if they want to be able to do that. So we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm also, you know, and I talk, I talk with uh, 
the guy we had on last week when Ole Miss played Auburn, Adam Cole, he's on the podcast uh, tomorrow about, you know, Freeze having this game circled and is that motivation and things like that. And for, for me, if, if that is indeed the case, if Freeze has got this game circled, we'll use the quotation fingers there, That's that speaks to, to vanity for me. Like, none of his players, I mean, they want to beat Mississippi State because it's the next game on the schedule, but they don't care that Mississippi State played a role in his demise at, at Ole Miss. They don't care about that. None of those players were there at the time. None of State's players were there. One, one, two of State's assistant coaches were there at the time. Tony Hughes and David Turner would have been on staff. So you know, what, what are you talking about? So I'm interested to see if that's actually a thing. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine it would be outside of head coach, I guess. But you saw what uh, highly motivated Hugh Freeze uh, did with his offense a week ago, which was nothing. And yeah. we'll talk about his throwing of Robbie Ashford under the bus uh, for the college football fix coming up in a little bit. Quotes that were honestly pretty stunning uh, when you think about it. doesn't surprise me that he ended up losing the team in the locker room before he uh, resigned uh, back in the summer of 2017. But So is there any indication, by the way, at all of Will Rogers' health beyond you don't expect him to play Saturday? I mean, I know we talked about it yesterday, but is there anything new on that front? Yeah, you know, well, I mean, he's you know, we'll evaluate him throughout the week and uh, day to day, just like all of us, as man. we do with all of our players. Yeah, so yeah, he. Uh, I, I, and there's no real update on it, and there's not going to be, and I don't quite understand why that is. You know, if your starting quarterback's going to be out for an extended period of time, just you know, all right, we're going to have to rant a little bit here. Bring it, please. It, it bothers. It bothers me that. A, a coach who his salary is, and this isn't just an Arnett thing. Kiffin does All this. Everybody does this. Your coach is paid. They're paid through donations from the fans and from taxes from the fans. Right? Your quarterback is on an NIL deal, so he's getting money from the fans too. The fans deserve to know if that guy's going to play or not. They just deserve. And they deserve to know before NIL, but they definitely do now. I this can't is, this think is one of, of those things where Mississippi saying. State, Mississippi State does not ever need me to win the Powerball and become a big time booster because I would make a phone call and be like, "I need to know," and the public needs to know is Will Rogers hurt? So I wanted that out there today. I would, I would be very, I would, I would never be the guy who's like, "Look, I, I think you should do this and I think you should do that." As far as like play calling or recruiting, I wouldn't stick my my nose in that. But stuff like this, I would just be like, "Ah, uh, yeah, you're, you all need to update Will Rogers." And I know, without even looking, we're going to get a text of, well, why would you tell your opponent if he's healthy or not? Auburn has millions upon millions upon millions of dollars invested in preparing each week. I promise you they are going to be prepared for Will Rogers, and they're going to be prepared for not Will Rogers or a combination of both because they have time and they have the ability to do it. There's no surprising Auburn with who plays quarterback on Saturday. None. If Will Rogers is warming up in uniform, they won't be surprised and they'll be ready. If Will Rogers is not in Auburn, they won't be surprised and and they will have a plan in place for that exact situation. You can't surprise anybody here. And on top of that, I like Will, but let's not act like State's holding Cam Newton out. Yeah. Or, or, or Tim Tebow or Joe Burrow, all right? I mean, Will's a, a good football player, but, you know, 
it, all, all the, the game plan. The only thing that changes for for Auburn is do we you know do we have to bring an extra guy to spy the quarterback? That's pretty much it. Everything else you want to do defensively, you can do for both of these guys. The offense. The only thing that changes is if things break down, Wright can escape the pocket. You know, State didn't show a lot of, of desire to run design runs. I think they ran maybe two or three the whole game. The rest of those those carries were plays where he just got away. So, yeah, it, it just bothers me. It just, just, just you know. And again, this isn't like a backup offensive lineman that people weren't concerned about to begin with. This is your starting quarterback. It's the face of your program. This is the guy that you know we, we were tracking to see if he was going to become the all time leading rec, uh, passing or, or passer in SEC history. Yeah. People should know. I agree completely. Uh, pre or post NIL age, but yeah, I mean, there are tens of thousands of Mississippi State fans out there that directly fund both of their salaries. Those people deserve a right to know whether or not he'll be on the field. Uh, and that same thing for Jackson Dart and, and Robbie Ashford and, and every quarterback in the SEC at, uh, at this point. So. Uh, somebody says, I bet Freeze calls plays this week, knowing this is a must-win, kind of like Arnett calling the D last week for State. Are, are we... Zach Arnett, honestly, Arnett and I, I respect this about Zach Arnett, he is unwilling to take credit. He won't do it. He will not take credit Damn. himself for anything. And I, no. I respect the heck he out take, of that about him. And on the other side of that, he takes the blame for everything. I respect that. I do too. But at the same time, State's defense looked totally different than it did the previous five weeks of the season. But I was told nothing changed. So I, I'm, I'm yeah. sure it didn't. That's some hella execution there. Yeah. And on the freeze calls plays this week, last week was a must win for him too. And, and I mean, I, I I truly believe that because he beat Nick Saban guys nine years ago, that people. Mm-hmm completely overvalue Hugh Freeze as a play caller. He's not a magician. He's not bad He's a at good it. Don't play get caller. me wrong. He's good. But this is the thing that, that we always said with Malzahn. It's like, why would you not do what Bronk... I understand with Arnett why he gave away defensive play calling. It's his first year ever as a head coach, right? You, you, need, it, you need it. He needed to be able to take some things off of his plate to be able to process everything else he had to do now. I get that. But Freeze is an experienced head coach, right? He knows what he's doing. Play calling is what you are known for. So call the plays. I never understood when Malzahn gave away play calling. Like, you're an offensive guy. This is your job. Call the plays. Yeah. We get this message. So as a college corner, you don't think you fo- your focus and mindset is different prepping for Will versus Right. If not, you are wrong. I'm telling you they're going to be prepared for both. Yeah. Auburn is not just just guessing which quarterback is going to be there. I promise you. And you know maybe maybe I'm wrong and maybe they're just going to well, Mike Wright's just going to play and so no need to even look at Will Rogers film. Maybe so. I, I promise you Vanderbilt's going to be prepared for Jordan Watkins. He may not play, who knows. I mean, but they're they're going to have the mindset of I'm going to see him. I promise you. That what is it? Ron Roberts in, in their meetings is going to say this is what they do, and and all the game planning is this is what it looks like with Mike Wright on the field, and and if Will Rogers is healthy and he plays, this is what it's going to look like, and this is what you need to be prepared for. They're they're not just going to pick and hope. You got six days to prepare for these games, man. 
It's not like they're crunched for time on this. Again, I I could be wrong. I, I totally could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I will be wrong again. I have no problem being wrong. But if you think that Arnett on Monday, now Will's not going to play this week, changes anything about the outcome of the game, I think you are wrong. Yeah, I agree. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text, and we'll talk a little bit more about this game coming up. But we're going to turn the page to Ole Miss and Vanderbilt when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't go anywhere. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on a Wednesday. But we got to go right back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. R.B. Weinstein covers Vanderbilt 24-7 sports. You can follow him on Twitter at R.W. Weinstein. We appreciate you hanging out with us a little bit this afternoon, Robbie. I want to start with this, actually. So, for for some reason, I was kind of bought into uh, Vanderbilt going into this season. And by bought in, I mean the over on the over-under win total. I expected... Uh, frankly, I expected them to be just a, a little bit better uh, than they are at this point. Uh, was I crazy in that? What were the expectations of, of this Vanderbilt team going into the season, and, and how has the fan base felt about how it's gone so far? Yeah, no, I, I don't think you were crazy at all. I mean, the, I think the total before the season was three and a half, and they went five and seven last season with a worse roster. So there's there's really no reason. Uh, particularly considering their schedule also got easier. They were thumping Alabama for Auburn instead. Uh, there's really no reason to think that they shouldn't go 5-7 and seven at a minimum, if not 6-6. Six and six. Uh, But, you know, I think uh, what has happened essentially is you know, probably uh, it, it is a young roster and probably a number of the younger players have been less consistent uh, than maybe a lot of people, including I think within Vanderbilt, would have expected. Um, but on top of that, I mean, I think the coaching has been very subpar. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of staff changes this offseason. I mean, it's just not up to snuff at all. They, they've got one of the worst pass defenses in the country yet again, uh, despite having two pretty good starting safeties. And um, I, I think the the coaching has been a big issue, and we've seen Clark Lee start to drop some hints about that over the last few weeks. Uh, so uh, tell me more about that. Uh, he's... Uh, not satisfied with is it scheme or, or maybe position coaches players not being prepared to play what is uh, what is he kind of hinted at? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think co- I like it's basically it's certainly I think both coordinators are probably going to be gone, and I think a lot of the assistant coaches in general probably will be at this point. Um, certain stuff he's dropped some hints in press conferences, like you know wanting to get. X player, like for instance, Jaden McGowan, he said this about like, wanting to get this player, that player more involved in the offense or uh, not being happy with certain aspects of how they're preparing. I think what he said this week was that there's stuff that they need to coach better uh, at the beginning of the week that, you know, they look back and say, look back at each game and say, oh, we should have done this, should have done that. And he said that that should really be getting done on Monday and Tuesday. 
So I, I think he he has um, made a lot of pointed comments recently about his staff. And uh, you know, if I were on staff on staff at Vanderbilt, I wouldn't be feeling uh, particularly safe right now. Yeah, and, uh, other places well take Arkansas for example. A, a lot of staff turnover uh, can lead to uh, some uneasiness uh, among fans. If you know, if your staff's not you know doing the right things, doesn't that ultimately you know point back in your direction? Are Vanderbilt fans kind of feeling that vibe right now where? You know, if, if your staff's not right, is that a you problem? Oh, sure, yeah. I think that's very fair. I, I think that, um, you know, there are two mitigating factors there. But, yes, uh, the fans certainly are not super happy with Clark Lee, I would say, in general right now. The two mitigating factors would be, number one, Vanderbilt. Um, although they, I think they pay head coaches reasonably well, they do have the smallest salary pool for their staff, the, the support staff and the assistant coaches. And so I think, you know, I, there are going to be some limitations there. Uh, and then, um, number two, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, he, Clark Lee just signed an extension. Uh, it was announced back in June or July. I'm not sure if it was actually signed right back then over the summer. But um, he's just not, I mean, he's not going anywhere. And I, I don't think he probably should. Like, if you're Vanderbilt, um, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to just play the same game that the rest of the SEC teams do in terms of, if you think about Auburn, for instance, uh, these teams that are very impatient and fire coaches every two or three years, I, I think if you're Vanderbilt, you probably have to try to play the long game in terms of hoping that continuity uh, can help you out long term. And on top of that, they do have a pretty good, like I think their player acquisition model, especially their recruiting for high school players, is, is pretty good. They've, they've uh, Their first two classes or first three classes that they've had have, have outperformed, I, I would say outperformed expectations in the talent level is substantially uh, better. So if they're not, you know, if we're talking two years from now and they still haven't made a bowl game, then that's obviously going to be a huge issue. But I, I think for now, I, I mean, I don't think Clark Lee's going anywhere, but uh, I do think fans are frustrated. There's been some questions about who are, uh, who's going to be taking snaps in Oxford on Saturday night. I guess last night we got some news on that front. Yeah, actually on Monday, uh, it, it's, it's going to be Ken Seals. Uh, Clark Lee said that Monday on his coach's show. And going into the bye, there was some question about whether they would stick with him. He's kind of the veteran backup uh, with not a lot of arm talent, but he is accurate for the most part. And really, um, he's good before the snap, for instance, in terms of getting everyone organized. He's smart. He goes through his progressions. A.J. Swan is the guy with all the arm talent in the world, but he's thrown a lot of interceptions, committed a lot of turnovers this season. And he was battling through what they said was a right elbow contusion. I'm not sure exactly how... Uh, big of a factor that really was in his performance, but they had to decide over the bye week whether they were going to go back to Swan or stick with Seals. And for now, they've stuck with Seals, but I think that's probably pretty flexible, especially because Seals is set to graduate at the at, like in, in December at the end of the season. And the expectation for quite a while has been that he's going to grad transfer down to the Group of Five level and be a starter. So now that he's starting right now for them, maybe that throws that into question somewhat, but. Point being, it does still seem that Swan is more so the quarterback of the future, and so I would not be surprised if both guys play in this game or if Swan at some point over the last four games of the season gets back in there. Yeah, Auburn's a, a group of five team that's looking for a quarterback. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> uh, so what what would a strength of this team be? For an Ole Miss fan uh, listening to us right now that has not seen Vanderbilt play a, a whole lot this season, What what is an area of this team that – uh, Ole Miss should be worried about, in your opinion. Well, they're they're 
players aren't bad, to be honest. I, I think their roster is a lot better than it's been. You know, for instance, if you look back to 2020 and 2021, uh, their roster's not bad. I mean, they've got big, tall, strong guys. They've got fast. I mean, they've got a lot of speed. And so I think that shows up the most on offense, that wide receiver. They've got three, four, five really pretty good wide receivers. Will Shepard is the main one, and he, um, you know, I think maybe his draft stock has slipped a little bit because he's had some drops this season as well as last season but he's a potential like day two or early day three guy in the nfl draft and then uh jaden mcgowan who i mentioned earlier you know he's a small slot receiver but he runs a four three five and he is pretty tough to cover and so they've got three four or five um pretty solid wide receivers like not only do they have pretty good top end talent there but also some depth and so the issue has more so been i think that was the problem for them earlier and why they went to seals other than the injury to Swan, is that they just need to get the ball into these guys' hands. They've got good weapons. Uh, they just can't be turning the ball over constantly, and that's you know that's what led to some of their ugly losses earlier. Elaine Kiffin's been highly successful at Ole Miss, and if you look at the final scores of the Vanderbilt game, you wouldn't think that what I'm saying is true, but he has quote-unquote struggled early in games anyway against Vanderbilt in his short tenure at Ole Miss. Is there, I mean, I assume the, the, the hope, from Vanderbilt people is that a similar thing happens, especially coming off of a bye and with Ole Miss having a, a bit of an emotional road win last week, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And the way that game collapsed last year for Vanderbilt was big plays. I think that started with 26-yard uh, touchdown run by Zach Evans, and then there was a fumble that Ole Miss immediately turned into a touchdown, and then a 71- and a 72-yard touchdown pass uh, from Dart or whoever was playing quarterback at that point to, uh, to Mingo. And so if you're Vanderbilt, I mean, their whole, the whole Clark Lee defense, the whole idea of it is limit the big plays and stop them in the red zone. This is what made his Notre Dame defenses successful. But the big problem for Vanderbilt over his first three seasons is that they're not limiting the big plays. So that's going to continue to be the emphasis for them. Uh, and if you're Ole Miss, I think you can still feel pretty good about getting over the top against them uh, because uh, Vanderbilt's very young at corner. And I think they're improving there, but they're still definitely way below average by SEC standards. And so the way to attack Vanderbilt is more or less the same as it would have been in past years. I think they're a little better at the point of attack on defense, but corner is is definitely going to be a weakness. Got about a minute left here. What do you expect to see on Saturday? I think I think the coming off the bye, and like you mentioned, Ole Miss coming off an emotional win. I do think those factors matter, and for that reason, I think Vanderbilt will probably keep it a little more competitive early in the game than a lot of people uh, might expect. I think it wouldn't be a surprise to me if it's a one-score game at halftime or maybe even like last year if Vandy somehow had a lead at halftime. But I also think Vandy's pretty beat up, and the Ole Miss, of course, is just a much more talented team, much more proven team. So, I, I mean, I'd expect them to kind of run away with it in the second half. Um, you know, Vandy covered for the first time all season against Georgia, and so I don't know how confident that I would feel in them covering the 24-and-a-half or whatever it is, but Ole Miss by something like 17 or 20 points sounds about right where they kind of separate after halftime. Robbie, we appreciate your time this afternoon and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Robbie Weinstein joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Not a whole lot to be excited about up there in, in Nashville right now. The stadium renovations are coming along nicely, though. So there's always that, and yeah. the new uniforms, the white helmets look good. So there, there's there, there's that too. 
There's plenty going on there. I think you're wrong. Plenty yeah. of good stuff. Yeah, their uh, former running back is doing really well at Kentucky. God, I'm sorry. Not not, not good uh, right now. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Don't go anywhere. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Forky and Hey Dad with you on this Wednesday. We've got... A couple of messages. One, there's a little bit of back and forth going on in our text line right now. Somebody asked, so why does a fan need to know about injuries? And I replied, because fans pay their salaries. And he said, no, they pay them to win games. As a coach with my job on the line, I'm not giving my opponents anything at all. Nothing. The fans will be fine if you win. They'll want you fired if you lose. And then Haydad said the NFL does it every week. He says it's tied to gambling, all that. I get you know, People are different. Um... I would venture to guess, though, that those sentiments vary based on it, how much you're invested, frankly. Not emotionally invested. I mean financially invested. I think every fan, honestly, deserves a right to know, but especially the people that are paying the salaries of these guys, including the, the players. I, I think that they are owed that. And... The NFL model, they do it for a lot of reasons. Competitive integrity, mostly. They they avoid all possibility of gamesmanship. But as a fan, I like to know what the Saints injury report is so I know what my expectations for the game should be. I would like to know if, if Demario Davis can't play on Sunday. Because without him, the defense is worse. And I just, I think that that is something that college fans deserve to know as well. If Jackson Dark can't play for Ole Miss, expectations should be lower for Saturday. And I think the fans going into the game should know that, hey, he was limited in practice this week. He turned his ankle. He's got a bum ankle. I think that they they deserve the right to know that. If they're going to buy the tickets and drive to the games and donate to the collectives, I think they should know what's going on with their investment. But not everybody yeah, agrees with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I agree with it. So that's all that matters. That is I promise you no coach has ever come out at his press conference ago and said, we won today because I was able to hide some inter- injuries from our opponents. You know, they, they, were, they were prepared for something completely different. We, we didn't play those guys because they've been hurt all week. Well, are they, are they going to play next week, Coach? Oh, we'll evaluate that and tell you next week. Right. We'll see. You know, I always think about Mullen when uh, somebody asked him about Will Redmond, and he's like, well, why don't you come to the game to find out? I mean, could could you be any more of, a, of an ingrate? These people pay your salary, man. Yeah. And we did get that message because I pay money, and I deserve to know. Another one is a booster. I want my employee to have every advantage to afford him. Understood. Two completely opposite sentiments, back-to-back on our text line. I love it. Um, I mean, the advantage is so minuscule. I mean, what what is the advantage? I mean, if you're watching Mississippi State this season and thinking that Will Rogers is this huge difference maker for Mississippi State, 
you're wrong. I mean, do they look a little different on offense? Yeah. But they're 0-3 in conference play with him as the starting quarterback. And he's played two of his worst games of his career this year. No. And Mike Wright is not – and they're replacing with Mike Wright, who, like I just said, is not exactly Cam Newton out there. He's a good player, plays hard, can do some things with his legs, but you know, State is limited offensively one way or the other, and Auburn knows that. Somebody says, I feel like the State versus Auburn game, speaking of that, uh, is going to come down to who will win turnover battle in special teams. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think you could probably say that for almost any game that gets played, you know, especially the turnover battle. I mean, of course, you say that last week. I don't, the state had it was what one it was one one, right? State had an interception, and Arkansas had that interception on the second play of the game. I mean, yeah, state state has to control the ball. If if Auburn gives away opportunities, state I don't know if they can take advantage of them. That's that's the issue though, is that you get the extra possession, but I don't know that either offense is good enough. To take advantage of it. Special teams could be huge because if somebody can get non-offensive points, that is that's a big thing in a game like this. So somebody asked about HIPAA. As I understand okay. it, every every year with HIPAA, like that means your doctor can't tell. Yeah, but you can. Right? Every year, again, there are NFL reports every week with injuries on them. Multiple every week. days a week. Yeah, I can tell you who practiced for the Saints today. It's yeah. Wednesday. I can tell you who who wasn't at practice and who was because the team is required to release that. Yeah. So no, HIPAA, HIPAA only applies to the doctor. Coaches yeah. can say whatever they want. And again, there are coaches who update injuries in college. There are coaches who are like he's out this week. Even Joe Morehead, although he would only just say upper body, lower body. He would tell you, oh, he's out. He's he's got an injury. So, you know, we don't have to get into the details of yeah, so this is he had this, this, and this done. I don't need to know that. I just need to know is he playing? Yes or no. Last message on this. Uh, somebody says, Hey Dad hit the nail on the head. They want you to spend the money to come to the game to find out. They are scared that if there are too many injuries, they won't come because their expectations are low. We're gonna keep talking about the state Auburn game, at least a little bit. Because uh, a, a story in AL.com uh, that I saw this morning that is kind of going viral because uh, Hugh Freeze decided to uh, – Robbie Ashford is – I mean, he might be out on Saturday because he got hit by a gigantic bus of Hugh Freeze today. I'll tell you what he said when we come back. at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Fast first couple of hours on this Wednesday. Appreciate you guys hanging out. I just looked up and realized it's 5 o'clock. And the sun's going down. Uh, we're doing that time change thing in a few weeks, which is just oh, so... Please stop talking about it. It's the worst. I hate it so much. Although, I was up uh, I was up early this morning. I was making my coffee at, at 6 <laughs> this morning, and the school bus came by. And I thought, 
Wait, wait. Six o'clock in the morning is when kids are getting on the bus to go to school. I will be driving my son <laughs> to whatever school that is. We're driving because I am not. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to be able to have him ready and outside in the pitch black by six o'clock in the morning. I, I mean, it, lower your standards, Madison County Schools. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not looking forward. I, I always, every year, it's like. If one person would just come out and say, I'm running for president and my first order of business will be to do away with daylight savings, they would win. They would win. Yeah. Nothing else would even matter to people. Just be like, yeah, I, I want that. Sure. Yeah. Well, here in a few weeks, the sun will set at 445. Not, uh, not today, though. Not yet. It's still up. At least it looks like it is outside my, uh, my window here anyway. But enough wasting time. We're going to talk about this free story right now for the College Football Fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive one today. I know you got football this weekend, but if you're a Saints fan, I know you want to avoid watching that garbage on Sunday, so stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer and do something far more productive with your time. And I'll be test driving an F-150. It's been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So, reading from AL.com. Uh, this story is making its rounds among Ole Miss people today, and oh boy, it's um, let's just read it. You can hear for yourself. So uh, again, reading from AL.com, the headline is: Will Robbie Ashford take over as Auburn's quarterback one? Hugh Freeze hints at why it hasn't happened yet. Uh, with all due respect to Ansley Lee, the writer, he there, there's no this isn't a hint. This is an outright explanation. Here's uh, here's some of the story. Hugh Freeze believes the first play of Auburn's 28-21 loss to number 13 Ole Miss Saturday night should have gone differently. Robbie Ashford was the first quarterback to try it out on a Pat Dye field on Saturday, giving him his first official start of the season. The first play call sent into Ashford was designed for Ashford to hand the ball off to one of his running backs, at least according to Hugh Freeze. Ashford kept the ball, if you guys don't remember, uh, tried to run outside and was tackled for a two-yard loss. That's how Auburn started the game. Here's here's what Freeze said. Everybody thinks it's going to be a zone read. Well, the first play was a zone slap play where there ain't no read. Very eloquently put, uh, Mr. Freeze. You hand that sucker off and the backer fit outside and there's a crease right up the chute, is what he said. Ashford had Jeremiah Cobb coming in motion and Jarquez Hunter also in the backfield. While it's unclear which running back Freeze is saying should have toted the football, I'm sorry, it, it's very clear when he... It, it's very clear. I'm Sorry. Uh, it was supposed to go to Hunter, or at least it's what Freeze is implying, is because right. the, the, the motion receiver um, not only did not look for the football in any capacity, he was two yards in front of Ashford. He was in no position to take a handoff. He's talking about Hunter here. But anyway. Uh, again, she says, while it's unclear which running back Freeze is saying should have towed the football, both were headed to the right where each Ole Miss defender was accounted for with a block. That is not accurate at all. But anyway. Instead, Ashford faked a handoff to running back Jarquez Hunter, kept the football before trying to hurry around the left edge, only to be stopped three yards behind the line of scrimmage putting to the Tigers in a second-and-long situation early. Here's more Hugh Freeze. Play one of the games should have been like maybe a 50-yard run, Freeze said. Go watch the film. The article included a video of that, and 
She said, had the ball found the hands of one, of one of Auburn's running backs as it was intended to, the opportunity might have been there for one of them to rip off a big run. This is actually edited uh, because earlier today the article said that the video backed up his claim. It didn't. Jarquez Hunter was met just past the line of scrimmage uh, by, I believe, Kari Coleman. But there was an Ole Miss linebacker in position who got his arms and wrapped up Jarquez Hunter uh, about two yards down the field. So this idea that that play would have gone for 50 is just absolutely ludicrous. Here's more freeze. That first play, you go a minus three instead of whatever it would have been. It may not have been 50, but it was going to be a good run. We are fixing to be second and short or first and 10 again or a touchdown. And then here's the kicker. The last thing I ever want to do now is throw our kids under the bus because they're trying hard, and I'm not going to do that. He just did that. You all been the, around the game long enough to know that sometimes you might have a really good call and it just didn't get executed right. The reason Peyton is getting the nod is just the leadership ability and understanding of the offense. He's been in some really good battles and it just seems like he was more efficient in the decision making at this point. He also said later, it didn't quite work like anticipated, talking about a package they used for Ashford. We had some really good plays out of it at times, but you know, it's not always the play caller. End quote. Again, the video in no way supports the idea that that play would have gone for 50. I, I mean, just to, to me, this is why I feel like I was too harsh on Zach Arnett after the Alabama game in hindsight. Because I would much, I respect so much Zach Arnett's motivation behind what he did about the really bad interception that Will Rogers threw. So much. When you read another coach saying, you know, if the quarterback doesn't screw up, the play would have gone for 50 and it's a totally different game. And that's why the other guy's starting because that play would have gone for 50. When the film backs that up, not at all. I would much rather have what Zach Arnett said where it is all, guys, it is all my fault. I, I made a bad decision okay. as a head coach, and I can't do that anymore, as opposed to, hey, quarterback, here's a bus. Get in front of it. I will say this. When you watch the film of that play, it is incredible that Ashford kept. I mean, he he, t- he pulls the ball out, and there's three guys there. And I, I remember watching that play live and just going, what are you doing? Like even even if you're right, even if you if you're right, and it's like there's not going to be a long game, he's going to get a couple of yards. It's going to be second and eight instead of second and fourteen. The decision is terrible. But that being said, as a head coach, you got to. I mean, I'm not saying that you know I, I'm all for accountability, and I'm sure Robbie Ashford would tell you, hey, I made the wrong decision on that play. But I I don't need Freeze just sitting here just throwing that guy out there like that. I just it's crazy to me. You know, it's not always a play caller. You know, that run would have gone for 50. Man. Whew. Anyway. By the way, that's one of like, I mean, how many things can I say that about? If a wide receiver had caught that, if he had caught that pass, if he had made that, I mean, every play of the game is that. Literally every play of the game, I can say, well, if he had done this, the play turns differently. If he had broken that tackle, if he had made that block, I feel like I feel like uh, Tony D'Amato from uh, from any given Sunday. The inches we need are all around us, you know. Right this second, I like what you know. What what are you, what are you saying, Hugh? That football is a game where something you got to do everything correctly. 
or it goes bad. Yeah, I was aware of that. And if that was a straight give, this is why if that was a straight give, if that was the design, if there was no, if that was just a handoff, like you said, there's no read there, then why did he read it? Why, why did he pull the football? That's poor coaching. Mm-hmm. He he didn't he didn't have the right he didn't know he didn't know what that play was supposed to be he didn't know what he was supposed to do and then if it was so egregious where he defied the play call so much why did you keep playing him especially when you say the other guy's apparently better at making decisions why did you keep playing him then the whole situation there is truly bizarre now it's kind of an odd juxtaposition because on one hand I think Auburn fans are, are crazy for expecting this season to have gone differently in terms of wins and losses. Like, it's crazy. However, the disjointed nature of the offense that I watched on Saturday is unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. And just wait until Saturday. Because, I mean, it, you think that they're going to finally figure it out now when they couldn't figure it out against anybody else in their schedule? No. I mean, even if they beat Mississippi State, if they somehow find a way to win, I promise you it's going to be ugly. Who does that favor, by the way? If it's an ugly game an on ugly Saturday, game? yeah, who, who who can win uglier between these two teams? It feels like feels like both these teams are kind of comfortable in the muck. You know, you saw what State did last week. Auburn has been playing ugly football all year. I I, I would think being at home, it might favor Auburn just a little bit. I mean, that's the thing that this is going to be an ugly game. You're not you're not going to convince me this game is going to be like LSU Ole Miss. Where the, the offenses are just clicking and going up and down the field, so this is going to be an ugly football game. So it's it's going to be a war of attrition, for for lack of a better word. So go back to what we talked about earlier. You know, turnovers are going to be very important. You know, busted plays. If anybody somebody misses an assignment, leaves a receiver open, that's going to be huge. And then we'll see what happens with special teams. That that could be a big thing. We'll keep talking about this game. I am fascinated by this Auburn Mississippi State game. I got a question for Haydad when we come back about State's offense. And what we saw last Saturday versus what you know you hope to see this Saturday on the plane. 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Real quick, we won't have to spend any more time on this than we have already, but there's more reporting about the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. Uh, It gets worse every time. At least uh, more than $15,000, according to the Washington Post, uh, has been spent sending scouts to more than 40 games played by 10 opponents is the estimated cost of the operation. Fifteen grand, and the season is... Not over. So, anyway, and I agree. I know we're. I know we're not big fans of him, but Dan Wolken, this is a good point. It suggests that when you hear outside firm was involved, it suggests that somebody already had the evidence, some or some evidence, and instead of running to the NCAA, they collected more evidence. They wanted to make sure they had Michigan completely locked in. Mm-hmm. 
among the people. I'm going to read a little bit. Well, I've got a question for head out on the state game, but this just came out from the Washington Post. Among the pieces of evidence the firm presented, these people said, was a detailed schedule of Michigan's planned sign-stealing travel for the rest of the season, listing opponent schedules, which games Michigan scouts would attend, and how much money was budgeted for travel and tickets to each scout team. The opponent targeted uh, the most on the schedule. Uh, we're not surprising. Atop the list was Ohio State. Imagine that. Uh, more than $3,000 in travel and tickets to go to the remaining Ohio State games this year, as many as eight of them. Next on the list was Georgia, a potential college football playoff opponent for Michigan. Again, the $15,000 number is uh, what this firm found. 40 games, 10 opponents. Stallions, as you guys know, uh, had a listed salary of $55,000. That's uh, cutting it close on your mortgage there, buddy. The outside firm also presented the NCAA uh, photographs of people investigators believe to be the Michigan Stouts, Scouts in action, including current students interning with the football team. The photos showed these people seated at games of Michigan opponents this season, aiming their cell phones at the sidelines days later. The firm told the NCAA cell phone videos depicting the coaching staffs from these games were uploaded to a computer drive maintained and accessed by Stallions, as well as several other Michigan assistants and coaches. They got the computer. They got the computer. They have the paper trail. Guys, Michigan might be in serious trouble here. They got the computer. That is crazy. The NCAA never gets stuff like this. Are we going to look up in a couple weeks and Michigan, they're going to tell them, you're done? You're done for the year? I mean... Is that going to happen? Uh, we used the phrase, they got caught red-handed yesterday. The, the, no, they got red-handed. caught red-handed today. This is... Uh, whew. Somebody says on the text line, the infatuation with Hugh Freeze is not a good look. You don't know. The play may have made 50 yards. It sure wasn't when it was a busted play from the start by the quarterback's decision. Um, hi, Hugh. Glad to glad to hear glad to hear you, man. Um, no, it, it wasn't because you can watch the play and you can see the Ole Miss linebacker read it correctly and get in position to make a tackle on Hunter. Uh, he wrapped him up and then realized he didn't have the ball and let him go. That that was just a guy throwing a player under the bus for an innocuous decision in a game that they really never had a chance at winning. But anyway. All right, so Mississippi State fans were, were clearly very displeased with the offensive performance last Saturday. Uh, I was talking to a State fan friend last night about this, and, and he was essentially like, I didn't feel like they were creative enough, is what he said. It's like you got this guy that can run a lot, and it felt like they didn't ever put him in positions to do that. Now, that is a very broad oversimplification of what they did. I'm sure they tried some things, but um, what can State do differently in your opinion, this week than they did last week with Mike Wright to make that offense more successful? Well, obviously, you know, the, the first thing that stands out is to, to bring in some more designed quarterback runs, some draw play. I mean, I, I mean, if we're being really totally honest, I would, I would find some film from Mississippi State, say, 2016-2017 when Nick Fitzgerald was running things and kind of run the offense like that. That That's, that's what I would do. Um but my, my main thing, and I talk about this on, it'll be on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, is 
you just have to call plays the way you want to call plays, right? You can't you can't let yourself be hampered. You know, I feel like State was was goes into this ultra conservative mode, and I, I really. I really do believe the the notion that you know Arnett told us, "Oh, I would, I'm not going to get involved in the offense." I, I I I have trouble buying into that at this point because I just see how conservative State is on offense at times, and that is not what Barbe has done in the past. So State has got to just run its offense. You know, obviously you want to find some ways to, to, to use Mike Wright's legs. You want to roll him out on some passes, but State was running rollout passes with Will Rogers. So you know that that shouldn't be taken out of the out of the equation. You want to find some some way to run some option plays where you know he can do that. I, I I'll be honest with you. I saw one play where if he had handed if he had kept it, uh, he would have gone for fifty yards. I saw it, but Mike Wright didn't make the right play. Right. So you know, but I mean that, that's that. I, I just think State needs to just run its offense and not you know try to don't limit yourself. Like if Wright can't can't do it, that's fine. It's not again. Every time I, I say this. I feel like people miss it. It's not like State was averaging 45 points a game and 600 yards of offense with Will Rogers in there, right? So just run your offense. It's not going to be any different. The results probably won't be in that different. And at the end of the day, if you call a pass play and it does break down, right at least gives you the opportunity to make positive yards out of that with his legs. Whereas with Rogers, if it breaks down, he's just taking a sack. There's just no getting around that. So you might have a couple of passes that, that Rodgers would complete that Wright won't. Wright was 8 for 12 last week, by the way. And he just given limited opportunities, but he completed 8 of his 12 passes. But you gotta, you got to just call your offense and, and try to move the football like a normal football team. You cannot play this, this pent-up conservative style that they're doing. Because it's going to cost you, right? I mean, Arnett talked about it uh, on Monday, right, where, where he talked about the, how they chose to be conservative because of how well their defense is playing. But, but man, I mean, if not for – I mean, everybody calls it a false start. It was an illegal shift, right? Isn't that what they call it when you never come set? doesn't matter. If not no. for a penalty, you lose. So it's it not, a false start. It, it's a false okay. start. Okay. Because illegal shift is not a dead ball foul. That could they could decline an illegal oh, shift. Oh, I see. And okay. get the touchdown. False start is dead ball and you have to replay the play. Yeah. So I mean, conservatism Saturday probably gets you beat. Conservatism probably gets you beat by Kentucky. I mean, I don't think that you can just defense your way to a win against Kentucky. Look, I know they're not world beaters by any stretch, but it's a good football team. They're certainly competent. Got a good back, a quarterback that can play well, really nice receivers, protect good enough, the scheme's good. So, I mean, I guess you're right at this point. I mean, you are what you are, and they've been conservative like this for a while. But at some point, if you're going to go on the road in the West and win, you're not going to do it 7-3 to three every week. You have got to, got to open it up and take some risks and – let Mike throw it a little bit and, and get creative because they – I mean, I hate to say it like this because the defense played so well, so well in Fayetteville, but they got lucky on Saturday to a degree. They did. They did. And, you know, if you're worried about reps, you know, first off, I mean, this I said this before, Wright is a experienced starting quarterback, right? You, you have to take that into account. This is not a true freshman – Making his second start. If you're if you're saying, well, he hasn't gotten a lot of practice reps. This is two weeks in a row, maybe three, where he's gotten all the practice reps. He's been the number one guy there. So 
you, you got to, you've got to take the training wheels off for him a little bit. You, you, you can't you cannot you cannot call off. And the other thing that's, that affects State a lot is Woody Marks keeping him in the game. It, it seems like every game for the past four or five weeks, it's he's he get, comes in, he makes a couple of plays, then he gets hurt, he comes back in the second half, he's not as effective. They got to find a way to either keep him upright or give carries to Jeff Pittman and Seth Davis and Kevon Lee. You have all these running backs, and we talked before the season how the Ohio State's got a lot of options there in the backfield, and yet they don't ever seem to use them. It's it's really all marks, and the other guys might combine for five or six carries total. Those guys might need five or six carries apiece. Yeah. Do, do we know uh, about Marks's health, by the way? I mean, I know he played Saturday, but he, he there was he's a trying, uh, MSU man. community MSU community outreach thing yesterday. He went to that. wasn't wearing a boot. Looked like he was he was walking around, moving around fine. So I don't know. He may just be a genetic freak and the toughest guy that you ever met. I expect him to play Saturday. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. It, we're going to keep talking about this, especially if you guys are going to keep sending us messages. We we got a couple of questions. We will get to those uh, when when we come back. This is I mean it's a big game. I, I don't. I don't know if the the season quote unquote is on the line uh, for for Mississippi State Saturday, but man, you can even if it's ugly again, if you win this one, you can you can really you get right back on track in a loss here. Imagine that you know in October in the SEC at the end of October, a, a win or a loss dramatically changes the way people look at the season. Uh, what a sport! that we all love. We'll get to more of your messages. Keep talking about this game when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Your number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. We got a couple of messages about this, so hey, let's dive in. People are asking, I mean, we've gotten like 12 messages about this today, just who's behind Mike Wright, or or what about Parsons, and uh, stuff like that, and so... What can you say about the now backup quarterback at Mississippi State? I forget who it was. I think it was Mullen one year who was who was asked about who was your backup quarterback when uh, when Dak was here because you know you had Fitzgerald, you had all the, you had a bunch of freshmen behind him, and he was just like, ah, well, you know, we got so and so and so and so. He's like, but yeah, but who would come in if Dak got hurt? Ah, well, you know, we got so and so and so. He would never tell you, and I feel like it's kind of that way. I feel like. Parson, Chris Parson, by the way, it's Parson. It's not Parsons. Parson. Uh, not bad. Is, I'm not, no, it's not you, it's everybody. Uh, Parsons is the new Mullins. The I never did Mullins, land. ever. Uh, so anyway, I think he, he's available to play. I know that. He, he's fine to play. I don't know that he would be the first choice off the bench. I don't know that. And in which case, it would be a, probably a walk-on like Jake Weir. But they might go with Parson at that point. Or I, 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 well, I can't some people are asking like, why he's not playing, and I, I think that's probably an easy answer. I'm earlier in the season, you know, when they could have played him, maybe like at Southeast Louisiana or, or, or Western Michigan, 
Uh, of course, I mean, Southeast Louisiana, first off, is the only game states play this year where they could have felt comfortable putting a redshirt freshman quarterback in, or a true freshman quarterback in, and winning the game, right? They need, they, they had to, they had to struggle to the end with Western Michigan. But he wasn't healthy enough to do that at that time. He tore his ACL a year ago. He still was recuperating. He's probably good to go now. I think he's, like I said, he's available to play now. I just don't know for a hundred percent fact that that would be the first choice if Wright comes off the field. There, so, so there you go. Bob and Pontock, by the way, says what is. guys? The Michigan, the Michigan computer information is just Russian disinformation. Thanks, guys, for a great show as usual. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for Michigan to decide to pull that route. Is oh, it's all fake news. Comrade it, Harbaugh has spoken. It is pretty crazy though. So, I mean, if, in case you guys missed it, the Washington Post has new details about the Michigan sign stealing scandal, and I mean, they have there an outside firm has been hired by somebody. We don't know who. But an investigative firm, those exist, by the way, um, has been hired by somebody to investigate this into Michigan. And that is what sparked the NCAA's involvement into Michigan. So somebody out there had had enough and was motivated enough to do it. This outside firm obtained a paper trail and a computer. Somehow they got this computer that had everything they needed on it. This was organized. They had budgets. They had dollar amounts. They had who. They had where. All on this computer that multiple Michigan coaches had access to. And somehow, this firm obtained that computer and presented it to the NCAA. So who who funded that investigation? Who funded the firm? And also, yeah. who's the rat? Because investigative firms can do all they want, but they sure can't make you give them anything. So who at Michigan is, I mean, every one of these stories is coming from a rat. Somebody that's spilling the beans that would know that is letting everybody know. They're talking to Ross Dellinger. They're talking to SI. They're talking to ESPN. They're talking to the Washington Post. They are talking to everybody and just handing it over. I got this rat, this teething rat. Michigan's got one. So Plus... Who knows more about manifestos than the Russians? Built their whole government on one. <laughs> Who spotted this? Uh, You're onto something, Bob. Apparently, everybody in the Big Ten at some point or another spotted this. But, but yeah. the question is, who had enough to to pay it's for this? Got to be Ohio State, right? I mean, Ohio State or Michigan State? It's got to be. There was a message board rumor so that Ryan Day like funded it. I, mean, I would laugh so hard if it was PJ Fleck. That's who I. That's who I would like for it to be. I mean, that's crazy. So, so my first theory, and guys, this is all. This is just a theory. Me thinking out loud is somebody involved in this scheme uh, got burned somehow, and they decided to, to to start singing and hand the computer over. Because just like we talk about with NCAA investigations, they cannot subpoena you if they ask you for your your phone. Your, your personal cell phone, you can say no. If they ask a booster for a meeting, you can say no. Turn over your bank records. No. What can they do about it? Literally nothing. And an outside investigative firm that is not law enforcement cannot go to Michigan and say, give me your sign-stealing computer, please. Can't do it. Somebody had to give that to them. Somebody with an axe to grind or a vendetta or... Maybe somebody 
w- was scared and just gave it to him? You know how people say, act That's like you belong right. and you always will? Act as if. Maybe somebody from the NCAA was like, you better give us this or there's going to be real consequences. Okay, okay, here it is. They just didn't know better. I hope that's the case. I hope that somebody at Michigan was that dumb. So Again, if that was the case, they're that dumb. Next year of probation. Some poor, unsuspecting secretary guy walks in. He's got like a, he's got aviators and a jacket on, but no letters, just a dark jacket on. And he walks in and, I need access to the computer in the football office, please. Yes, sir, right over there. And he just walks out with that computer. Just, yeah, right, here, thank take you. it. Yeah, have, yeah. Have, uh, have at it. Somebody says, my bet would be the intern that has to take all of Jim's khakis to the dry cleaners. I'm tired of going to the dry cleaners. I'll show him. <laughs> Somebody sent us a gift from Austin Powers about the mole. It's a good one. That's a deep cut. That's an old, that's an old movie mole, at this point. Mole, mole, mole. It is. That's the third one, too. So, yeah. I think that's the third one. Bradley says computer is probably at some pawn shop. There's a political reference there. We're not going there. Debbie says today's show has been stellar. Keep it up. Thank you, Debbie. We appreciate you. Glad that uh, that you are that you are with us. Appreciate that. The SEC short skit on it is spectacular. By the way, if you haven't, I haven't seen watched it, it yet, I'll give it a look. Yeah, and if you're out there listening, just. When you get home, when you're not in your car anymore, just pull up Google and SEC Shorts Michigan, and that video will pop up. And it is an outstanding skit. Just the the stupidity of this is just so perfect. And and those people are so good at their jobs. How quickly they are able to write, film, produce, and publish those videos that are so immediately topical is really impressive. Like th- those people do really good work. Yeah. And this is a, another got one. The, that. They're not as good at it, but they have that that thing that that South Park does that they're able to turn around things very quickly. You know, basically, you know, if there's a national story on on Thursday, South Park will have it satirized by Wednesday. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Somebody's asking about the death penalty. I, I mean, I don't know, but no, there there is no. Pr- like we said earlier when we talked about this before, this story came again. out. No, they won't. But there is no precedent yeah. for especially this. not to Michigan. Not to Michigan, no. But it, but if you're Charlie Baker, he, here's if I was Charlie Baker, if I was in the position of the NCAA, they Hold keep. On. Let's do this like, let's do this like Dr. Jack Ramsey. You're Charlie Baker. I'm sorry, that's Hubie Hugh, Brown. Hubie Brown. We're going second person here. You're Charlie Baker. Go ahead. Um, I keep losing. Uh, the uh, our organization, because I'm Charlie Baker now, the head of the NCAA. We lose all the time. We are losing in court. We go to Congress and we get roasted. We are losing. The public doesn't trust us. They think we're incompetent because we are. We we have been just beaten down over and over and over again. Nobody trusts us. Nobody believes in us. The LSU thing was a disaster and we handled it poorly and got mocked for it over and over and over again. It's time to go get somebody. It's time to remind everybody that we are in charge here, and we've got. I don't un- see that happening in Michigan, though. I, I don't either. But if I'm Charlie Baker, I want to remind everybody I'm in charge. And when you've got an unprecedented st- uh, cheating scandal that includes a paper trail, text messages, video evidence, first-person accounts. 
I hammer them with everything that I that I have. Because nobody, like I said a second ago, nobody believes in me. Nobody trusts me. Nobody thinks I'm competent. It's time for me to remind everybody who's in charge here. And what a perfect opportunity to do that. It's a big brand. What, they, what they've done is unprecedented. You've got all the evidence you need. Michigan can't sue you because you've got them. You can take some control back. I don't know. That, that's what I would be thinking if I were in their offices right now, is it's time for us to win yeah. one. And it's moving. This is moving fast, too. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. I mean, if you're Georgia, if you're Georgia, I know what Kirby Smart said earlier, I guess yesterday or earlier today, and it was a pretty awesome quote about how the way the game played, he didn't think that, you know, they had his signs. But how many games has Michigan been to this year of yours? You can't just change all of your signs in the middle of the season. It doesn't work like that. There's too many. It's too intricate. Can you trust the integrity of the college football playoff if you meet Michigan there? If you're Ohio State, can you trust the integrity of that game if you meet them there? What do they have on you? Can you trust that? I think the answer is no. Final thoughts with you when we come back. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. We got a question on the text line. It's a fair one. He said, yesterday you guys were laughing about the scandal, saying you didn't really care and seemingly didn't think much about it. Also said the players shouldn't be punished because the adults were responsible for this mess. I still stand by that, by the way. Uh, and today y'all are taking well, it serious and talking about ending their season. Why the turnaround? Because new new well, information I'm, I'm, has come out. There's new information. I'm still not taking it super serious. I, th- I think it's still think it's really funny. So we've got the rat here. One of our people on Twitter just tweeted at yeah. us. Uh, West Side Rebs. Michigan said it had proof against fired assistant Matt Weiss. Michigan fired offensive coordinator Matt Weiss in January after he failed to attend a meeting to discuss whether he had gained access to computer accounts belonging to other people, according to documents released by the school. An athletic department official told Weiss that the university had evidence he had inappropriately accessed the accounts. Now, I remember this happening, and and we we all thought, like, oh, he's looking at, like, Adult stuff. Yeah. You know, that's what we all thought. Like, okay, he's looking, he's looking at like people's emails and no, I think we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, the rat. We got him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, but to answer your question, my my, my tone is on it has changed some because uh, I mean, it was purely stupid yesterday. Bad coaches involved should have been punished harshly. I still agree with that. But the fact that it was. I mean, this detailed, they've got a paper trail. They've got coaches' access to the computers. I mean, they have got everything that it possibly could be. To me, it is more serious now uh, than it was this time yesterday when it felt sloppy and stupid. This is organized. I mean, you, you can use the word corrupt if you want to. It's, 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 it's just the, the magnitude of it. 
and the fact that if you're in the Big Ten right now, you're looking around, you're going, we we may have lost games because of this. Mm-hmm. May have lost bowl game revenue. May have lost recruits because they didn't think we could beat Michigan. I mean, if you're Ohio State, this costs you a chance to go to the playoffs probably in 2021, right? So, it was a close game. It was snowing in Ann Arbor. Yeah. So there is there is a ton of, of, of problems with this. When you're actually affecting the results of games, you know, recruiting violations are one thing, but when you're actually uh, affecting the results of games, the NCAA is going to take that seriously. The Big Ten should take it seriously, too. The problem is, much as if this was in the SEC and this happened to, to Georgia, I can't see the, the Georgia. What are they going to do? Right. Just take Georgia out of the equation? They're not going to do that. I can't see the Big Ten's taking Michigan out of the equation. Every close game they've ever been in needs to be scrutinized. I say ever. The last three years or so needs to be scrutinized. However long this guy's been on staff, every close game now makes you wonder. Even the not really close games. There are some games where you lose by 21, but it was a three-point game or whatever going into the fourth quarter, you know? I mean, this... Every Big Ten team and every former Michigan opponent is going to look very closely at what happened in those games. I mean, this this has mm-hmm. changed the dynamic. The Washington Post report outlining what they've got has changed the dynamic of this story for uh, for sure. We got this message earlier. Someone didn't get a promotion or was let go, and this is payback. It sounds like sounds like you kind of nailed it. How long has Harbaugh been doing this? Uh, They have at least two full seasons and then this one worth of evidence to suggest it. There's anecdotal evidence that it's been longer. Um, Mm -hmm. Somebody says, it's Michigan, nothing will happen uh, of serious consequence. That's where I am. I'll be honest with you. That's where I am. I think the the, the worst thing that's going to happen to Michigan is that Harbaugh is just going to be like, I don't need this, and he's going to go to the NFL. This would have initially, someone else says, come out. Uh, this wouldn't have initially come out unless it was serious and they had the goods. NCAA knew about the post before moving forward. Absolutely, yeah. The the the, the post is only is just outlining the hard evidence that has been presented to the NCAA by an investigative firm. So the, the post didn't reveal new information to Somebody's the NCAA got to to track that firm and find out who's paying them. We've got to know that. I want it to be Nick Saban so bad, <laughs> just just for no reason. He just he's watching film of Michigan where he's like, all right, I think something's up, and he just goes from there. Nick Saban's got like all the 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 the, the things pinned into the board. Connected to each other? Yeah, that's what I want. Hey, kind of got distracted today. Uh, Coming up here in about eight minutes from right now. Oh, it's it's thunder and lightning. Oh, come on. I don't have enough time. Yeah, you do. You got 60 seconds right now. Nah. You can cut a promo in 60. I I even, I I don't even, I didn't even, I don't have anything prepared, you know. I, I, I don't, so... But Thunder and Lightning, the main thing you need to take away from tonight's Thunder and Lightning is that at 6.20, we are sitting in the dentist chair. Coach Chris Jans joins us to talk some Mississippi State basketball. 6.20 tonight, but we'll have some MSU football before that and plenty to talk about as we get ready for Mississippi State-Auburn this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Chris Jans. I I like him, personally. I think he's interesting and obviously a good coach. But I think uh, it's Jay. It might be Jans. It might be a soft Jay. We don't know. We don't know for sure. (laughs) Zach says, good show. We appreciate you, Zach. I had fun today. I hope you guys did as well. 
for Richard, who's somewhere, and uh, Brian Haydad, I'm Michael Borky. We appreciate you guys making our show a part of your day. And uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow at 3. Thunder and lightning on your radio, though. Stick around here. An hour of Hey Dad. Right after this. Stick around. Thunder and lightning next. Oh, it's incredible! Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.